didn't kill you yet, sorry. Laura. <laughs> okay, start over. No. I'm sorry. I thought I was supposed to say hi there. Anyway. Anyway, and we are very excited to have another fabulous guest. Um, this time we have the author of a number of books for teens, uh, including Audrey Waite, which I know is a favorite of a lot of people because it's been recommended to me by a ton of people. I was like, I finally read it, guys! And um, The Extraordinary Secrets of April, May, and June, and also known as, which I think a lot of people know I just loved, as well as the sequel, also known as Going Rogue, which is coming out next year, and Emmy and Oliver, that'd be Robin Benway. Yay! Yay! Hi. When is Emmy and Oliver coming out? I'm sorry, I didn't make a note of that. Right now, Emmy and Oliver is scheduled for summer of 2015. Okay. So, yeah. So, it's like you're always thinking two or three years ahead. Yeah. I'm like, what year is it? <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> two years. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I, I, I knew I knew Going Rogue was next year, but I, w- I wasn't sure about the Emmy and Oliver. Yeah, so far, summer 2015, and it would be awesome if it comes out in summer 2015. <laughs> <laughs> so we are super excited to have Robin join us. Um, we were instructed by the Amy Spaulding that oh. we had to have you on our podcast. <laughs> well, you don't mess around with Amy. And you do you not want to mess around with Amy Spaulding. I will tell you guys, that's just... <laughs> And she's also very lovely. Hi, Amy. Oh, she is. Yeah, of course. Amy's wonderful. Yes, we love Amy. (laughs) And um, when I was thinking about podcast topics, one of the topics I've wanted to talk about for a long time, and I've had various blog posts as well, sort of better in happening form or just outlaw I'm I'm awful then I think the quantity of stuff I have half written versus the stuff I've written is the ratio is not pleasant <laughs> <laughs> but Later. is the topic of um romance and YA and yes. part of this is um actually spawned by a number of discussions that bubbled up that I noticed on Twitter and on blogs and um there's a lot of I think diverse opinions and perceptions about the role of romance in YA and why people like it or maybe what's wrong with it or you know lots of things that are all complicated and wrapped up in um in a whole lot of other stuff and I, uh, it's something I just, I felt like maybe might be better suited for a podcast and, um, more of a a discussion as opposed to like, here are, here is my 27 point discussion on this this topic because it is, I mean, it is complicated and I, I, well, especially romance think, is complicated. Yeah, like, way, complicated in a book because romance itself is complicated. Yeah, and the yeah. way I think, in particular, when I see adults talk about it, some adults are great when they talk about, um, romance and teens in terms of, um, you know, fictional portrayals. Oh, my dogs are going ballistic. Yes. Sorry, guys. <laughs> and, um... Excited about romance. Anyway, so, what I was... One of the things that I... Because I like to eavesdrop on people on Twitter because I'm, like, a jerk like that. Uh, yeah. And... <laughs> <laughs> There's no shame. I've There's never no shame. done that. Oh, I know. You've <laughs> never. never you've never seen something that's like gotten your hackles up on Twitter and then sent me a you know <laughs> a flurry of text messages about it ever. <laughs> I've never done that either. Ever with Amy Spaulding. Ever. Never. No, I'm sure. <laughs> so anyway, um 
One of the things that I, I have seen mentioned quite a bit, Lena, on Twitter in particular, there was a discussion that I eavesdropped on um, where there's a perception that NYA in particular, you've got to have a romance. And actually someone someone quite smart, and I, I think I know who it was, but I don't want to like label anyone, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, quite, quite wisely started like, Tweeting every single YA book she could think of that didn't have romance. (laughs) (laughs) How many were there? A lot. Oh, really? Good. Yes. It was a really comprehensive list. Um, But I do think it's an interesting, um, I think it's interesting on a number of levels and I can sort of, you know, like, well, you know, one, why is that there is, that it does populate, it is infused in YA so often. Why Mm -hmm. is why is that sort of perceived as a negative thing? Because mm-hmm. I don't think that's because I. I mean, I have a lot of opinions. As I'm sure you're shocked <laughs> <laughs> about about that. And um, but you know, that that sort of is um, sort of stuck with me because I. Yeah. I, I mean, do you do you get that? That's a perception a lot of people have that there's you know that there is there too much romance or not in well or clearly it, not in romance it should is not be there, that it's I that, think. The idea, seriously, my dogs but are never going to stop barking. Sorry. And now it's quiet. <laughs> He's like, sorry. Okay, go ahead, Robin. What were sorry you about that. No, it's okay. I, well, I think it's important because when you're 16, 15, 14, 17, 18 years old, you are experiencing romance. It may not be marriage with three kids 20 years down the road type of romance in terms of marriage and family, but you're still learning how to relate to other people. And sometimes that goes beyond the bonds of friendship into something more romantic. And I think even if you yourself are not in a romance, you're still seeing it around you. And I think it's a really important component of becoming a person is how you relate to other people and discovering who you are. So I think the people who argue against romance and YA, I think it might, and this is just me um, theorizing, I don't actually know if this is true, but it might be people arguing that maybe the romances aren't healthy romances sometimes, or maybe it's not showing, and not that I think YA should always show a perfect romance situation, because that's not realistic, but I do wonder if people worry about romance becoming the forefront of someone's life rather than a component to somebody's life. Does that make sense? No, it makes yeah, absolute sense. Definitely. Okay. And it's yeah, it's just it's an, such an interesting thing because I think you know so this sounds like oh, like a platitude or whatever, but there there are I mean you know everyone points at Twilight, which I think kind of has become a bit of a red herring for like every discussion about teen fiction. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know there are unhealthy relationships, un unexamined unhealthy relationships in all That's sorts good. of. Fiction, and it's true in teen fiction just as much as for, you know, fiction for adults. I mean, I don't think that's something that's, um, you know, YA has the monopoly on. Um, No. And that's sort of the rub, isn't it? Is that it's not just in the genre, and yet I do feel like maybe we get the lion's share of criticism about it. I think that that, that's true. I think that that YA does get that sort of, that, that, I don't know, that stick all the time. Yeah. I'm, I'm making yeah. a poking motion. It's really adding to the drama <laughs> of my statement. Don't you agree, Laura? Yes. Isn't this really, I you know? Agree. Um, Sarah is the master of the finger point. I am. I'm like, and it's really funny because when, when she and her mom start pointing their fingers at each other, it is hysterical. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> We're, my mom's in our book club and like, 
like we often like all like a book and she doesn't like it or vice versa and we'll get in these discussions and we're pointing our fingers at each other and everyone is looking at us like we're crazy. And they usually sit right across from each other too, <laughs> which is like adds to the effect of it. It's really funny. Yeah. I, I realize the humor in it and yet I can't stop it. <laughs> you just have to go with what you know. You I have know. To- it's like it's like instinct. It's like my mom's there and I just start pointing and waving my finger. <laughs> But, you know, I, in terms of the, the thing is also, I don't necessarily think even a lot of times with, you know, relationships that aren't healthy, Mm -hmm. oftentimes they, they are examined in the, in the, over the course of the text as well. Mm -hmm. And I was, you know, it's not even on the list that I created for our, you know, talking points, but, um, you know, Lisa Schroeder's Falling for You. Yes. Did a, you know. You know, Audrey Waite starts with a breakup. Yeah. I mean, like, oh, by, by page two, they were broken up on page two. Like, it. I know. <laughs> no, it's like, honestly, look at it. It's, it's, oh, it's just, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I remember, like, when I wrote Audrey, when I was first, I mean, I didn't even have a book deal. I didn't even have an agent, but I wrote a first chapter of Audrey, like, way back in 2005. That's still the first chapter of Audrey now. And I remember in my head, like, the most important things that I wanted to get in that first chapter was, this guy's not good for her, so she's going to break up with him, and she's going to talk about being responsible enough to get condoms. Like, those were the two things that I wanted to hit. And I never thought that the that would be allowed to stay in a published book. And it was. So I just remember like, that was the goal that I had for writing that first chapter of Audrey was like, girls are going to read this and I want them to know to take responsibility for themselves. And I just had like all of these, of course, like higher than thou, you know, expectations of putting that in there. And I'm glad it's still there. But at the the same time, I think, Oh, it's ridiculously important for women and for girls. But at the same time, I, I don't think going forward that I can just put ideas that are right there like that. I think sometimes you have to make them a little bit more into the text, a little bit more of a subtext. It's a little bit more of a, um, how can I put it? Like it might resonate more rather than just throwing it onto page one or onto page two, just kind of throw it throughout the text. I think is important. I mean, if it were on page one, that'd be one thing, but it's on page two. I mean, honestly, I mean, but, like, I think that when you become a teenager, that's really the first time that romance becomes, like, a viable option as being a big part of your life. I mean, I have to, I was a CIT at a camp once a long time ago, and the eight-year-old girls did think about boys and they had crushes on them. But you don't really have, like, in-depth relationships with the opposite sex or, or the same sex, whatever. No judgment. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? You don't really have, like relationships like that until you start until you hit like you know 13 14 or something so I really think it's important that books kind of are a space for kids who are just kind of learning and starting to explore that and what I think is interesting too is that when you are like seven and eight like I remember a boy named Wesley proposed to me when I was six years old and you're just like (laughs) you know like but it does everyone thinks it's so cute and then 10 years later, you're like, mom, I'm 16 and someone proposed. I mean, your head would blow off. Like you would just, what? so I think that's what changes. Part of the thing that changes is that when you're little, it's just like a fun little thing. And then suddenly you become older 
And then the reaction of people around you, suddenly your parents are like, you're dating, who are you dating? Who, what do you, you know, we have to meet this person. We have to meet this boy or this girl. So I think, I think how people react to the romance tends to add to the romance itself in terms of its importance or, um, making people nervous about it. The fishbowlness of being a teenager. Mm -hmm. And this is like, I'm not really, I'm sort of stealing this from, um, a point Amy made in the podcast that we did with her, where she talked about when you're, when you're an adult, and you're starting to date someone or say you're breaking up with someone, you can kind of do that in a bit of a bubble for the most part. Like you can, Mm -hmm. you can sort of that, that can be a segmented part of your life when you're 16. Like, yeah, that's really hard to segment out part of your life. Yeah. Cause you have to like go back to school and see them again every day. Everybody knows about it. Yeah. And all of that, and even, you know, if you're sort of, like, you know, talking to a boy, and maybe, you know... So it, well, plus, that now it's, like, all over Facebook. And now, and, and it's on Facebook. I was going to say, and, I wake up every day thanking God that I did not have the internet when I was in high school. That, like, we had, like, that dial-up <laughs> prodigy internet, and, like, nobody could use the phone if you were on the internet, so yes, it, it was such I a bare bones, yeah, yeah. like, way back in the day. Yeah. But, like now to go through high school with Facebook and, you know, Keek and, um, what is that? Ask FM and everything. Like I wouldn't make it. I would not make it. And I can't even imagine breaking up with somebody or going out with somebody or hooking up with somebody and then having this huge umbrella of social media just yeah. ready to I be down. I saw friend yeah. so-and-so on Facebook. What does that mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just... Oh my goodness! That just... or like checking to see what your relationship is by checking the Facebook account, like to see if you're still in a relationship or if the other person is still single. Like to have that be the fulcrum would just be awful, and uh, I feel so dangerous that that's what they have to deal what with. What a cause... horrifying thought! Yeah, that's actually yeah. in actually in Amy's new book that's coming. In Amy Spalding's uh, new book, we're just going to talk about Amy Spalding in this podcast. <laughs> in her book, in ink. That's actually a little, like, it's like a little thread that runs through that story is um, this guy that the main character is seeing, like, he wants to, like, have the relationship status public on Facebook before she's ready. And, like, and I read that and I was like, holy crap. Like, how do you even, it, like, hurts his feelings, you know? Yeah. He, like, he, like, wants to be public that they're, like, in a relationship. She's like, I'm not sure if we're in a relationship. (laughs) I mean, that's, I, I just, I read that. I was just like, that is, I can't, I I can't imagine. I would just not deal with it. I would be like, I I don't want to. Yeah, it yeah was... exactly. <laughs> I would I would deal with it. Like, I'm older now, and I still am like, I don't know. I don't know what the rules are on that. <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine being 16 and having the wherewithal to know how to deal with that. Oh, so. so, anyway, we were talking about why is this so popular, though? So, for, like, you know, despite all the criticism and what have you, I mean, why romance sells well with teens? It, you know. Oh, ad- yeah. Adults, a lot of adults really enjoyed as well. And I mean, I do like, mm-hmm. I, you know, when I, I, you know, you know, especially, you know, a, like a Sarah Destin novel. Yeah. Like the truth about forever. The truth about forever. Like mm-hmm. I have, I will reread that book and I get that like, you know, cause that whole story. So much of it is about not even those two characters getting together. Cause that doesn't happen to like the last page, yeah. but the, the sort the of getting to know each other yeah. stuff. And it's, it's fun to watch people fall in love. It like is. when, like I always think of that scene um, in what was that? 
that movie about crazy about love. It was with Steve Carell and Julianne yes. Moore and Ryan oh, Gosling and Emma Stone. Yeah. And that scene with Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone where they're in his house just talking. I mean, you could have watched a three-hour movie with just the two of them talking. And it's yeah. so much fun to watch people genuinely start to like each other. Yeah, I think that's why romance sells. And it's always hopeful. I mean, even if there are rocky situations, it always has a bit of hope in it when someone starts to fall in love with somebody else. Yeah, like, even, like, Anne of Green Gables. Like, oh. like, Anne of Silver. It's just, when like, she so breaks that slip epic and amazing. <laughs> or, like, when, the first, when she turns him down the first time he asks her to marry him, and you're like, no! And you're, like, running. You're like, abort, Anne! Abort! Yeah. Keep running. really still speaks to people when they read that book despite like the environment being so different from what we know today and yeah yeah well I think people are still the same you know how they communicate whether it's through technology or you know they're still people are still dumb and we still (laughs) (laughs) we overthink things or we don't think about things enough or we say the wrong thing or we make the wrong decision like all in the name of romance and love. So I don't think that will ever change, unfortunately. Well, I wish we could modernize that as well. Right. And, and, you know, I... Is, to actually talk about one of your books, Robin, <laughs> um, <laughs> and one of the things I really... I liked so much about Also Known As is that it, it's core. It's a spy story. Like, it's, it's yeah. a caper. And I yes. love that. But also woven in there is all of Maggie's awkwardness, of, like this... Like, not sort of figuring out all the social stuff because she hasn't. Yeah. And her, you know, she's learning to be a friend and she's, you know, starting to, like, maybe like this boy. And, like, all of that is part of growing up into a, you know, fully functional human being. Right. And which, I, which some people never learn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> which is not easy because sometimes you do dance. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, like, you, you know, don't tell these people the truth or you're deceptive yeah. or, you know, and I think, you know, for me, when I, you know, a lot of times readers may feel critical towards the infusion of those sorts of elements into a story, but I also feel like that helps me get to know the character more and understand, like, why mm-hmm. they're reacting to all the other situations in a certain way as well. Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. I think, too, like, for Maggie, when she comes into this scenario, like, spoiler alert, like, she's assigned to Jesse to get to know Jesse as a job, and, you know, surprise, surprise, she ends up really falling for this person who's not at all what she expected, and it's the first time in her life that someone is not what they look like on a dossier. You know, it's someone... What looks like on paper, he's not a bad guy or he's not a step to find a bad guy. And so suddenly she has to sort of wrestle with what parts of me do I show this person? And I think that's something that you wrestle with, you know, even if you're not a spy. Right. No, <laughs> right. that's a yeah, really totally. how true much, experience. It's like yeah. how much, how vulnerable should I, can I be and how much of myself can I show? I think that's a huge thing. Uh, and, right. you know, and plus, so- like, just with teenagers, like, there's always people who are stereotyped. Like, you see some, like, I went to an all-girls school, so it was a little bit different for me. But, like, you see a boy, and you're like, oh, he's just, like, a stereotypical jock or something like yeah, that. You know exactly. what I mean? So, and then you find out that maybe 
that guy writes poetry or something. And you're like, wow. And like, it's really important that you learn that there's more than just what the person seems to be. So you're basically just describing Matt Saracen, right? Oh. Oh. No, you know know that Matt Saracen's a good guy from the very first episode. Yeah. Uh Sorry, I just... (laughs) You're right, though. You know, football player, but he's really the artist. Right. But, like, it's like you start to, you need to learn how to see people beyond, like, what's kind of presented on the outside. And you kind of realize about yourself that, about what you are presenting to other people as well. Exactly. And And it it teaches you things about yourself, definitely. Because you have to be vulnerable in that moment. That's something that I think everybody wrestles with, whether you're a teenager or not. And I think, you know, that might be sometimes, and this is, again, just me hypothesizing and putting a blanket statement on every single adult. We're just going to call it very scientific. Even better. But, you know, I think to put yourself in a situation like that in a romance where you are being vulnerable or are being honest about yourself to somebody else, I wonder if it makes adults feel uncomfortable a little bit to remember what that feels like because oh, I definitely do. that's no, a really I definitely good point. agree with you <laughs> because you know I when you like somebody it doesn't feel any different I'm in my mid-30s it doesn't feel any different now than it did when I was 15 I still can't talk you know if I have like a little crush on somebody or if I like someone you know I'm always like oh wait hold on he's coming he's coming okay <laughs> It's not different. And breaking up with somebody doesn't feel any different now than it did then. And I think sometimes adults forget that, that it doesn't heartache and heartbreak and falling in love with somebody for the first time, maybe not the first time, but those are still solid, real emotions and they're still scary and it's still intimidating. And I think sometimes adults can maybe want to shy away from that or want to protect in a way teenagers from Maybe feeling a party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a really, really good point. That it's. Yeah. Huh. Well, like one of the things that I like about reading YA is that you almost kind of get to relive that intensity in some ways yes. when you're reading. But like, I can see why some adults would not like that. Well, yeah, too, because it also leads to. I mean, in terms of romance and intensity, it leads to adult situations, like right. whether. Pregnancy, whether it's, you know, falling for the wrong person and maybe getting married too young or married to the wrong person that has like real world implications and real, real, the real world problems. And I think, again, that might be a level of protection, but at the same time, that's life too. And I think authors try to show everything from like Stephanie Perkins in comedy through, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like Trish Dollar or, Mm -hmm. you know, Gail Foreman, who showed the heartbreak sometimes of being in love with somebody. Oh, I mean, yeah. 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 I mean, both, both Trish's, Trish's recent book and, and, uh, where she went. I mean, both of those really have interesting, you know, um, interesting takes on romance that, yeah sort of peel back layers of it that mm-hmm. I don't know, mm-hmm. the, you know, in yeah. Trisha's book, it's um, Callie's relationship with Alex is if that wasn't in that story, that story wouldn't have the emotional resonance that yeah, it, no, totally it does agree. because that's such like her learning to trust is so like, that's what that story is about in so many ways. Yeah. And yeah, um, you know, 
it just, it's so critical to that character development and that really feeling so real. And then, like, what, where she went is the heartbreak around, you know, Gail Foreman's book is, yeah. Uh, like, that <laughs> book is like, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> One of the most deranged things, I do this thing where I tend to read books that are similar together, that have sort of similar vibes. You've really got to stop doing that. I've got to stop doing this. I've done some horrible ones. And one of my my classic horrible book pairings was reading Where She Went and The Piper's Son back to back. Have you read The Piper's Son by Melissa Marchetta? No, I haven't. It's like a companion book to To... Saving Francesca. Oh, boy. And... It's like those two books, both from a male point of view, both very intense, like lots of heartache. Yeah. It just like felt like I couldn't read anything. Speaking for... of other bad decisions and teen romance, uh, <laughs> you did Sweetheart Heart. by Sarah Zar and what else? And um, 20 Boy Summer. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> you must be great at parties. Like you just must be so much fun. <laughs> those back to back I read them each in one sitting one night after the other I don't know what I was thinking you only have yourself to blame for that and it was just I was a wreck like I was because Sweethearts has a really cute cover and and that's what got me I got like that cute little thing you should have known though it was Sarah Zar I had never read a Sarah Zar book before that but you still should you just should have known you should have Sarah. And I just read 20 Boys Summer and I need something cute and fluffy. <laughs> and it was available through my library's like ebook download thing. So I was just like, all right, we'll try that. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> yeah. so stupid. <laughs> and like my husband saw me and was like, are you okay? I'm like, I didn't sleep very well. <laughs> like you were up reading weren't you yes <laughs> oh, he knows what killed me too. though when i read it i remember you know it it really oh, but I, I really applaud her ability to tackle like the stickiness of relationships and romance the way that she does because she really goes at it from an angle that i haven't ever seen any other author do and she does a really amazing she job. really does she she's it's yeah she really does she examines things that are in in teen relationships that are often not angles that aren't looked at that often and yeah and i think she really respects how complicated relationships are you know i think people like adults have this tendency to kind of be like oh you're a teenager your relationship is simple no no it isn't you know nope 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 honestly (laughs) i think I think relationships are more simple as an adult because you have autonomy, you have more power, you have income, you have the freedom to go where you want to go, do what you want to do in, you know, certain ways. And I think you also have, it's easier to express yourself. I think the older you get and to say what you mean and mean what you say and stand by it. And I think, yeah, I think it's so much easier to be an yeah, adult. And that boundary and I, that's what I was going to say. I think you yeah. have to learn what learn what yeah. is acceptable and is not acceptable to you. Yes. And when you're younger, you I mean, you can sort of think about it in an abstract way. Mm-hmm. But, you know, unless you've really experienced life 
that's hard or, to like, know. Having somebody screw you over, or yeah, having a I bad mean, relationship. Uh, yeah, or, you just you know. don't. You don't really know what what you can allow and what you can't allow. And yeah, you know, there's a lot of checklists. Kids sort of get not literal. Well, probably there are literal checklists, but you know what you <laughs> you know what you can and can't. You know what you are and are not supposed to do, but. With that said, I mean life is much more complex than that, right. and yeah. figuring out what you what your own personal boundaries are is hard. hard. But yeah. like with Lisa Schroeder's book Falling for You, I thought that was a really important thing that she did in that book, where this did girl too. did not know if what this guy, how he was treating her, was acceptable or not. And this is kind of more on the extreme side of the example because there's all sorts of ways that somebody can be wrong for you that, yeah. you know, you might be yeah. willing to put up with or not, just not being compatible or just, you know, because how many of us have had a relationship where we're just like, well, we get along okay, so I don't think we should break up. I don't really want to deal with that drama. Exactly. You know I mean? Exactly. But, and, it's and just it's the, kind of the staticness. to learn how to do that. Yeah. I think, um, what I was going to say, going back a little bit to what you were talking about, about um, 20 Boy of Summer was how to, the bravery that that requires as an author to put, to show things that aren't always shown in books. I always tip my hat to authors who are able to do that and do that very well. Like, I think that's always a really tricky, scary thing to do because not only are you kind of doing something that's a little bit different, but you're not sure. I know, like, as a writer, I'm not always sure if that's what the readership wants. Maybe they don't want to always see a more complicated or mm-hmm. side of relationship. Maybe they want to see something that's a little bit easier or more fun or breezy. And I think to take a leap like that is a really, really scary thing to do. And to do it well is even more difficult. And that's why I, like, I, I really liked uh, Sarah Zarsa Lucy Variations. Uh-huh. It was her book that came out this year. Yeah. Because I, have, I haven't read it yet. Just the way she looks at... The, rela- the relationship that's the focus of that book, and it's not a romance. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, it's... I have not seen that take on that sort of relationship ever in a novel for teens. And it's something that I think is real and oh, happens. And yeah. just the way, a, you know, adults can, you know, not necessarily be horrible people but also not necessarily have the best of intentions with regard yeah. to the young people in mm-hmm. their lives. It's really like, and that is, I mean, that I read that and I was, it was a brave book. I mean, I that's, so, yeah. it's a hard, like it's kind of hard to read. And, um, even though there's nothing like brutal or awful or terrible, it's just that yeah. that's something that you don't see unpeeled very often. And it's, so it's uncomfortable. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, I think that's the, and I think kids would, I think, I imagine there are not a small amount of kids who would read that story and see something familiar in Lucy's experience. Oh, yeah. No, I totally that's, agree. That's the age, isn't it? When you start to realize that your parents and the adults in your life aren't superhuman, that they are flawed and they are, and I haven't read Lucy Variations yet, so I'm not quite sure what the relationship is in that book. But It's when a you mentor-mentee start- relationship yeah. that's complicated. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's Sarah Zar, so yeah. of course yeah, she makes exactly. you feel like really conflicted about everything because yeah. she's evil because that that's way. What she does with everything. <laughs> Damn you, Sarah Zar. She's very good. Your good writing skills. <laughs> 
but it's always interesting. And then I think because when you're growing up, you're so used to hearing, you know, trust your elders, find an adult if you have a problem. And then when you get older, well, who do you rely on if those are not trustworthy? You have to rely on yourself. And that's a scary thing to have to start doing and making your own decisions and having to stand by them too is tricky. And I guess that translates into romance as well, because you have to trust yourself to find the right person Mm -hmm. or the right person for you at that time. So one of my big, apparently has become a big trigger for me. Like I almost almost (laughs) shut down. No, not in books. When I read commentary about books Uh is the term insta love and the idea of, and I've been thinking about this a lot. This is another one of those things where I actually started to write something about it. And I'm like, I'm not making any sense. <laughs> <laughs> I can't make the words work. I hate it when they're uncooperative like that. Um, I don't know what you're talking. You always say that, and it's never true. That's true. I do. I send, like, posts to Laura, and I'll be like, this is terrible. <laughs> and it's never true or I just look at what you're working on on the blog because you gave me access to it and you're like this is shit and I'm like I don't know what it's you're talking so about so I really I think it's really good and thoughtful and I think that you should finish it anyway <laughs> so I started trying to write something about that notion of insta-love and the way um, that we talk about this term and this this you know this phenomenon in yeah. teen fiction and you know and I, I so I had this idea I think I get these weird ideas when I can't sleep <laughs> well, don't laugh am I the only one who gets weird ideas when I can't no, sleep no I was thinking about this podcast in the shower and I was thinking things so. yeah it's like well it's like well I can't sleep so I might as well like try to figure this thing out that I can't quite figure out and <laughs> has been written that way trust me <laughs> and it's like well you know like when you're a certain age when you're when you're young and you know life is kind of intense as it mm-hmm. often is when you're say 16 like is the idea of sort of that like boom i really like this person is that all that far fetched as it's often dismissed as i completely 100% agree with you i, totally I don't think agree. i don't think it's that far fetched at all because in a way <laughs> I'm so I'm not crazy <laughs> No, no. Or maybe we all are. What the rules are. <laughs> but I do think, again, that might be, of course you look at, the older you get, I think, the more you, you realize how more nuanced it is because your world's a little bit bigger. But when you're in high school and you see the same 200 people every single day and yeah. you see that person every single day, it is going to be a lot more intense. And again, with the rise of social media as well, the ways to contact someone and to see somebody, of course, you're going to have a stronger feeling for them. And I don't think it's when people say insta-love, I get a little twitchy as well. Cause I'm like, but that's not always a realistic thing to have them come together and talk about their feelings and their shared goals. And do you want to have children? And do you like the symphony? That's not what you talk about when you're 16. <laughs> I know. Most adults don't do that either. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you don't you don't compare things like that. You're just like, I want to make out with you. Well, and yeah. you know Or you become easily obsessed with things when you're that yeah. age, especially. And a lot of times the focus of your obsession is a, a romantic interest. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Obsession is just fun when you're a teenager. Anyway, you like yeah. bands, you like actors, you like you like yeah, boys. you get like really into a thing. Yeah, yeah. It's kind yeah. Of... Hot people are really <laughs> easy to get into. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, oh, he has fancy hair. Yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know what teenagers are into. I, oh God. <laughs> Fancy hair. I mean, I like good hair. Hair I, is cool. I noticed good hair. I think I probably noticed good hair when I was 16. I assume. The guy I liked had really floppy hair, and I really, really <gasps> Mm, floppy hair forever. It was like <laughs> it was like Jordan Catalano floppy oh, hair. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Say no more. <laughs> I have like so many Jordan Catalano gifs liked on Tumblr. That ruined our generation. Like, yes. you can- Look at the way he leans. I know. <laughs> he wrote the song "Red" about her hair. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that show. <laughs> yeah, that show on rewatch is like kind of embarrassing, but it's still like, really good. It is, but it's like the mortified. I didn't feel mortified when I watched it when I was, you know, whatever age I was when it was on. And it's one of those like when I rewatch it, I feel I'm like, oh, this is bad. No, don't do that. No, no. I know, yeah. but it's so much worse on TV. It's like, because it's like on the screen, it's like, no, don't do that. Delia and Ricky, we could do a whole podcast about that show, but like, yes. oh, totally I'm just should. like, we should do this. Oh, jeez. I was talking at a high school, I think it was last year, and um, someone said, what are some of your favorite TV shows? And I said, like, have you guys ever seen My So-Called Life? And like, 80 blank faces looked at me. Oh, no! And then I realized that show is over 20 years old. Older of, than course they have, of course they haven't seen it. I wouldn't have watched a show that was 20 years old when I was 16 either. It just would feel so dated. So I felt like such a moron being like, you guys, you should probably watch this show. It's really good. It'll speak to you as person. Of course, I'm sure none of them went home to watch it, but I think it does I hold up. I loved that cool. show. I still it's love show. that show. Oh. Really, really good it show. It was good. You know, but it's interesting. I rewatched like the the parent dynamics were really interesting, and yes. I didn't even pick up on that. No, when I not until it. I got to be an adult, and then I realized how well done the adult things were. Yeah, that has too. Yeah. a better, uh, like, well developed adult, especially for that time, because yes. at that time, yes. like, adults in shows geared towards young people were not well done. Yeah. I mean, you know, Dawson's Creek and I know 2 and 0 and I don't know what else yeah. was popular at that or, time. But like Full House even, like yeah. a whole generation of Full House and the adults were I love that show, but they were very one-sided. Yeah. They were but the way they terrible. portrayed the marriage and my so-called life yeah. with Angela's parents was and the issues that they had to struggle with and deal with yeah. were really realistic. Yeah. Even like when her mom got odd Audited. And I remember as a teenager being like audited. What the hell is being audited? And yeah. now as an adult, I'm like, oh god, please never let me get up. I know, especially because we're all like, are you a um, freelance Robin? Like I'm self-employed and yeah. so is Sarah. So the it's idea like of my getting audited, nightmare. I'm just like, oh god, no. Yeah. <laughs> I am, if there's ever a fire, I am grabbing my folder of receipts and my document. <laughs> <and I'm running. laughs> 
I'm always so scared of that. I actually so. freaked out today because I always take a picture of checks before I deposit them. Uh-huh. Oh, and that's a good someone gave me a check today, and I deposited it, and I forgot, and it went into the machine. I'm like, oh, crap! I forgot <laughs> to take a picture of it! Like, oh, I'm so, and I know that Bank has one. and oh, yeah, yeah. But, like, I had this, like, because it's part of my whole, like, um, karmic thing to try to prevent ever getting audited is yeah. I have photos of, like, every check I've ever gotten. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just in case. The I'm bank's sure. record, the bank burns down. I, I was going to say, their servers. The global banking institution does but not. You know, people will it. still keep getting audited. So. Yeah. I mean, Vince, stop talking about audit because now I'm terrified. <laughs> that looks like a letter. Okay, so back to romance and one day. But I'm talking about really, the IRS. I really did. Like, I have become like, really kind of twitchy when I hear people talk about the idea of see I can transition right back in yeah of um of insta love because it's just like you know one of my favorite books is um we always talk about Lisa on this podcast yes is um the day the day before like I love I love that book with like kind of a um kind of a crazy person passion like I love that book (laughs) It's just, yeah, like, I just have these very intense feelings about it, and I have a hard time talking about it, because I love it so much. (laughs) I actually think, because we know Lisa, and I... I, it's just wonderful, and I always worry that I sound a little bit crazy when I talk about her book. <laughs> You're not the one who wrote a whole post talking about how much you love her That's and didn't true. tell her that you were writing it I and know. just posted it. Anyway. <laughs> so, you guys think that's a bad thing? Whereas, as a writer, you're like, there's a whole post about me. Look, look. They really like my stuff. Like, um, but, like, I, but... we know her in person, and we see her regularly, so, like, I was kind She's of worried it would freak her out a because um whenever anyone criticizes it again it's like i have this like little commentary but you don't understand you're reading that it's horrible and i don't i really believe that everyone had like reading is such a subjective thing you bring so many of your own experiences into it um but i love that the intensity of that book because these two young people like they come together in this just this one day and it often gets labeled as, like, insta-love. And there's no, like, I love you's exchanged or anything like right. that in that book. Um, but, like, you know, man, they both know, like, in, like, kind of a, a deep way that they're going through such similar things. And that mm-hmm. no right. one else is likely to really understand what they're facing like the other one does. And, like, man, that is, like, a powerful thing. Right. And like, plus, like, I mean, it is really similar to the way that, like, especially, like, I mean, and I know adults who do this, too, but, like, teenagers, like, when they find something that appeals to them the way they latch onto it really quickly. And sometimes that happens to be each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not a far-fetched thing. And also, like, the idea of insta-love makes the idea of love sound really easy to define. And it's not like what you're describing, like with Lisa's book, like the fact that they never say I love you, but they have this really strong connection. Well, do you have to say I love you for it to be love? You know, what is that? I think yeah. in every book it's represented so differently. And so when people say, oh, it's insta love, well, it's like, well, 
how are you defining love in this sense then? And, you know, you only have so many pages to maybe show a relationship or show something unfolding. So sometimes it might look like that just because you're showing something in such a specific form. Yeah. And like with that book and with quite a few others, it's like, you kind of know as the reader that those characters could get to the point where they have like a really, like a, like a real long lasting relationship. But, you know, that's, you know, and maybe it's just because there's not like in books for teens, there's unlikely to be like a, you know, a happy ever after at the end. Mm -hmm. So we Mm -hmm. sort of mentally um, sort of shoehorn that in there, even though it's not in the actual text. And I think there's yeah. there's also something with that right. in the the way that plays out is in terms of the reading experience, which kind of fascinates me. I sound like such a nerd. <laughs> you sound you smart. Nerd. <laughs> so am I. What's your... <laughs> I thought we had this was a well established thing that we are nerdy people. I know. I know. Wear that with pride. <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. Like when I wrote all of my books, I realized kind of after I started writing the sequel to Also Known As, but. In my books, all the relationships, the book ends right when the relationship starts. Like there's always been like all these little things they have to go through. And then at the end, they're like, okay, I like you. I like you too. Yay. We're going to be together. And the book ends. And then (laughs) (laughs) it's all part of the plan. And then (laughs) just get out while you can. But uh, when I started writing the sequel, it was the first time that I had to write characters, um, Jesse and Maggie, who were in a relationship. They weren't starting. It wasn't ending. And I had to show them kind of dealing with the day-to-day, not only of just being in a relationship with two teenagers, but also with Maggie's job, which is being an underground global spy, (laughs) as you do. And they... I love Maggie. They had to... (laughs) So cool. Right, I would love to be as cool as Maggie. I, know, really I like write her doing such awesome things, and then I like trip walking into the kitchen. She's like, let me crack this safe open. <laughs> She's like, I'll be there in twenty minutes. Hold on, I just gotta save the world. I think that'd be awesome. But I think it was so. It was really, really difficult for me to show them to show the ramifications of their relationship, both the mundane parts of it and these like sort of hyper realistic parts of it that aren't that realistic at all. And I was really nervous because I had never written a relationship. Like writing people falling in love is easier than writing people trying to maintain that love. It was a lot trickier. Well, I think that's why in so many like long, long running series, like about halfway through, like when the characters, the two characters you want to get together, finally get together. And then like in the next book, something horrible happens to one of them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Or or you get love triangle. Or or you like, yeah, the the one or both because the series that I've almost done reading that has happened. Both happened. Are you in- talking about Vampire Academy? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I went down a rabbit hole. And it just... <laughs> and both in book four and five, there is something really bad happens to the primary love interest. Something very, very bad. And then there's a new love interest introduced. And I think yeah. that's why... Like, sometimes people having a relationship isn't necessarily, like... It's not as cool and exciting as the falling in love part or, like, the that moment where you're just the honeymoon period in a relationship where, like, the other person can do no wrong. Yeah, and then you find out they've got, like, weird And then, like, a year later, that same thing really annoys the fuck out of you, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, that's why I took Beth Revis's advice and I blew something up halfway through the book. Ah! <laughs> Excellent. See, and that's another thing. I am highly in favor, as Laura notes, of most books need more explosions. Yes. <laughs> Wasn't it you I had that conversation yes. with? Okay. <laughs> that's, someone told me, I don't even know if some poor Beth Revis, but someone said that if you don't know what to do, Beth Revis said, blow something up. And I was like, okay, I'll I try that. Mike great... Laura Griffin does that, right? Yeah, she does. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, and I... your updates from her books are just epic. You're just like, hot air balloons! <laughs> Don't like, like, just like, post a status on Goodreads with like, with whatever batshit crazy thing has shown up in this The thing night. with the Mini Cooper that had the bomb, I mean... <laughs> I drive a Mini Cooper, and I just feel like if you want to have, like, if you wanted to blow something up, a Mini Cooper is not the ideal vehicle. I mean, like, you run a Mini Cooper into something, like, (laughs) (laughs) what what is the thought process that you think of? What are you planning? Like, what is this this book I read? (laughs) I was concerned for a minute. Laura was just, I read this series of books, which I basically read for the explosions. Like, that's, I really enjoy the explosions. I enjoy the, perfectly valid. the running through the desert. That's always fun, being chased by bad guys. Like, that's, it's basically kind of like 24, but with, like, strong female characters. Oh. And hot FBI agents. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually like 24. 24 without Keeper Sutherland going, it's damn like it, every 10 minutes. meets bones. <laughs> That's, Wait, which series is this? Which series Laura, is this? It's an adult series. series. It's Laura Griffin's Tracer series. And they Ooh. come out at a very satisfying, like, every six-month pace. Oh, that is nice. Yes. Is and nice. they're like, I know how they're going to begin and end. Like, they're very... But, like, she was a journalist, so she's a really good writer. Like, her writing is very, like, tight. And she... But she is, like... She, you, like, you know, like, there's going to be an explosion coming up, or there's going to be, like, I mean, she just, like, keeps throwing the explosions. The, Interesting. Yeah, it's amazing. She I'm really, literally writing this down, like, as we're talking, because I would love this. <laughs> yeah, it's really, I mean, it is kind of like, because, like, there's a whole group that works at a Bones-like um, facility, and okay. uh, there's, <laughs> I've lost my, the total plot, but... <laughs> I did have some I wanted to make sure that I I mentioned just because I felt like they were um, sort of took had interesting takes on the idea of teen romance and I don't know Laura I don't think you've read it yet The Boy on the Bridge no. by Nadine Standiford that's the book that takes place in um, Russia yeah 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 that is a fascinating book and since neither of you have read it I won't spoil it. But it's just a very different take on, uh, oh, crap, it is a really hard book not to spoil. <laughs> on, but, like, you don't really know the motivations, right? Exactly. Okay. And I think, like, as a reader, being uncertain as to the motivations of the primary love interest is a very interesting experience. Because, like, it's, yeah, it's very interesting. Who tells the story? Like, where's the perspective it's coming from? It's third-person perspective, but it's a really close third-person. Like, it's effectively a first-person from um, the... Oh, the main character's name is Laura. Mm-hmm. Oh. And from her point of view. And, 
you know, you sort of see what she's seeing, but there's sort of things around that you pick up on that maybe she hasn't. Okay. And, but even then there's like a lot of, you kind of doubt your own perception. And it's a very, like as a reader, it's an interesting experience to sort of feel that kind of disarmed feeling Mm -hmm. just like someone who's like 18 and or 19 and in a foreign country and maybe really likes this boy and you know maybe isn't sure you know isn't sure because the premise is there's in the 80s in russia um there were a lot of people who are looking to marry westerners right because Mm -hmm. that was Mm -hmm. kind of one of the only ways to get out and um so there are a lot of stories during this study abroad program um which was a um something that and which is something that actually the author had been on one of these study abroad programs in the 80s. And, oh, interesting. Um, yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. She has a, she wrote a modern love column about it, actually, that's really worth reading. Ooh, and, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'm getting all sorts of good recommendations. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's really, the modern love column is really, I love modern love. I, I like do that too. column a lot, too. And, um, anyway, it's, it's just, you know, does this boy, does he, what are his intentions and like what how does that matter and all of that sort of knotted up stuff yeah mm-hmm. um and then at the same time that doubt doesn't make what she's experiencing any less any real. less real yeah and so what she did with that book in terms of examining that kind of relationship was really 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 excellent i really i can't it's that's an interesting book um you know it's funny i was talking to somebody once talking about writing and someone said something about why are there so many books about love? Like in terms, like we were talking about earlier in terms of romance. And I remember I said, well, it's like love songs on the radio. There's so many different ways to tell that story about that topic. And like hearing you talk about, you know, we've talked about Trisha's books versus Lisa books. And then, you know, this book that we're talking about, I feel like each book is so completely different and yet has the same theme of romance, whether it's through unreliable narrators or through tragedy or like a mentor mentee situation. And it's every time I hear about a new one, I'm like, Oh, that's a great idea. That. And then I hear another book. I'm like, Oh, that's a really good idea. I wish I had thought of that. <laughs> you know? But it's like every single one is so interesting and there's always a different way to tell it. So when people talk about like, why is there, there's too much romance and why I'm like, well, there's not, <laughs> it's just a part of your life and it's just how it's told. But I think a lot of people tend to be really dismissive about how teenagers feel because it's not supposed yeah. to be like, oh, you'll get over it or this isn't a real thing because you'll really meet the real person you're supposed to be with in like 10 years or, you know, right. that sort and of that's thing. So- that their feelings tend to be very dismissed a lot. But that's why I think that why books are good because like they don't dismiss how teenagers are feeling. No, and it doesn't no. mean that they're not important as far as like a teenager learning how to interact with other people or what they want out of that kind of relationship. Being dismissive of someone else's feelings is so rude. It is so teenagers all the time. Yeah, I know. I agree. I completely agree. And yet, and then people are surprised when teenagers don't talk to them or or tell them more. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah. You know, and another one that I don't think gets enough love nearly is, um, where the star, uh, when the Stars Go Blue by Caridad Farrar. I haven't read that. I love that book. I haven't read that one either. Oh, that book does not get the love it should. Uh, none of her books don't. Like, her books do not get the attention. I mean, they're all, like, 
Adios to my old life is wonderful, and it's not about the accent is also wonderful. Um, and but my favorite is um, when the stars go blue, and it's and in that in a sense it's one it's one of those that gets labeled as having a love triangle, and mm-hmm. I think that isn't necessarily fairly labeled in that way um, because there are two different love interests in that book, and they represent very different things in the main character's life and they you know one is sort of where she is and one is where she where she's going and um also i like that the particular that book i can't say enough about that book because i love it but <laughs> i really do it's just it's wonderful and um also i think because her she is it's a, it takes place during a summer after the main character has graduated from high school. So it's that kind of weird time. Yeah. And before um, you yeah, go out to college. Yeah. And, life. yeah. and she's traveling with a, um, she's a dancer and she's traveling with a um, performing band, like a competitive um, band that uh, like does stadium shows and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of interesting stuff about growing up and being independent and, you know, sort of the obligations to, you know, your old self and your old life mm-hmm. and how to negotiate all that stuff and parents and self detri I mean, that book is great. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, I probably don't talk about it enough because I really love it and I feel like people don't talk about it enough. But um, I think that's really important, like, what you're saying is that, like, to realize that it's okay to change when you're a teenager. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, a lot of times when you're a teenager and you do change, people are like, that's not the way you were when you were, like, 10. You really liked this when you were 10. Or then you yeah. turn 18 and people are like, you've changed. How can you not be interested in this anymore? And that's, now you're, you know, that's and it's very much the arc of that, a bad thing. that story uh-huh. and um, the relationship with these boys and the just the way who she is transforms and you know, it's that it's so well done. And, um, you know, she, she doesn't fall into the trap of making the one of the boys like, a. I mean, he has issues like everyone does, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. he, she doesn't fall into the trap of like, and he's a bad guy because I mean, you know, like, which is a very common thing. Like this guy seemed okay. And then like, he's all of a sudden bad because, he wants to have sex, or he wants this. Or he wants that. <laughs> yeah. that happens so much; it's become my pet peeve. <laughs> <laughs> like ex, the so and so boyfriend is suddenly bad. Who seemed kind of okay because he wants to have sex, and it's like, oh, like let's not do that. <laughs> let's 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 explore this a little more in depth. Sorry. But you know who did a really good job with that kind of thing was Laura Buzo in Holier Than Thou. Yes. Yes. I haven't um, read that one either. Oh, you guys, you've such a It's hard to get. You're going to have to get it from Fish Pond, but I cannot recommend it enough. Okay. Writing it down, writing it yeah, down. Yeah, that's, that's another one. And that's, um, you know, that would go into the sort of, um, the quote-unquote new adults. Like, a lot of people put it in that mm-hmm. um, category, which, you know, anyone who's heard me talk knows I have very complicated feelings on that subject. But... Um, <laughs> But it's got, she does, she does a wonderful job of... She portrays kind of, like, the day-to-day of being in a relationship with somebody, and also, like, 
maybe not being 100% sure if you've made the right decision for yourself in that way or with work or something like that. And she ends up, like, kind of having this friendship, but, you know, with the potential for more kind of relationship at work and stuff like that. And she really deals with a lot of the sticky issues that come with kind of growing up. Yeah. Yeah. And she avoids making anyone, like, the bad person. Yes. And, and I think I really that's like that, how she did that. I think that is so important. I love reading books where that is the scenario. And rather than being like, he's the bad guy, he's a bad boy. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't, also the bad boy doesn't look so cute in 20 years. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not it's fun to be with what the before. right choice for her is. Exactly. Not necessarily about the two guys being bad. Yeah. 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 I think. And I think that's important because I think you do have to learn, especially women and girls, to make a choice for yourself, not to worry about disappointing someone or letting that fact that you might be disappointing someone else affect the choices that you make. Right. Like, did you guys watch Party of Five? Like, do you remember how Julia had to deal with that decision? I watched, like, the first couple seasons, but not after. Yeah, so, like, the older sister Julia she ends up like she's in a relationship with this one guy who she's known for a long time and uh he's like a really good guy but then she kind of starts to get to know Griffin who's yeah. oh, one of yeah. the London twins yes. which I don't yeah. remember which yeah. London twin it is because they <laughs> are exactly the same Jeremy I think it was Jeremy I think it was Jeremy I think Jason was the one in Dazed and Confused Anyways. I think that's correct <laughs> Anyway, so, like, she ends up getting kind of to know him, um, and then she kind of has, like, this debate, and it's not, like, I think Griffin in some ways is portrayed as the bad guy, but also, though, that he's kind of, like, the guy from the wrong side of the tracks, but he's actually a really good person kind of thing, Mm -hmm. but, like, neither of those choices was presented as, like, a bad thing, per se, and... I had totally forgotten about that particular scenario. But I thought that was really Mm -hmm. well done on the part of that show to, like, not make either one of those guys a bad guy, but, like, she really had to just struggle about which person was the one that she wanted to be with. Well, and it's actually... Because, you know, we, we just can't go that long without mentioning Amy Spaulding. <laughs> um, in the Reese Malcolm list, she yes. does that quote. I can't even remember the first boy that she dates' name. Yeah, I can't remember it um, but He's not important. No, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> but, that, but she did such a good job of, you know, it just, you know, the first boy, it yeah. just didn't work. Yeah. But and that happens. Like it, it, it's not a bad thing for her to have dated him. You no. Know, just because that's yeah. what you do when you're a teenager. Like, you date somebody who maybe isn't right for you, and you learn from yeah. that. And, and Yeah, and she likes Cy, and, mm-hmm. like, she may date him for As a long time. did all. <laughs> yeah, with his, his hair. Um. <laughs> was, it Tra- was it Travis? Was that the first guy? Maybe. Maybe. Uh-huh. Yeah. I Amy's going to get mad at him. Get Amy on the phone. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we just can't help that you made size so likable. I know. <laughs> um, your fault. But, you know, he's, I mean, you know, and maybe, you know, they have a long-term relationship or maybe, you know, yeah. they have fun for a while and move on. And you don't know, but I, yeah. I, but I, really, I would love to see, I'm just, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt no, you. I would fine. love to see, and I probably will never see it. And it would probably sell like three copies, <laughs> but we're the girl chooses neither of them and, like, chooses herself and goes and like has Like Kelly this... in 90210. I knew it was yeah. going to come back 
I knew 90210 was going to come up at some point. But, like, I would love to pick herself and then decide to take care of herself and go have a career or do what she wants to do rather than feel like she has to pick between these two people, neither one of which are quite right. And that will probably never happen in a book. But it does. Yeah, well, I swear there is a book that does that. Find me that book. I just can't think of what one it would be. Sarah Dessen. (gasps) That's right! Sarah Dessen. But now I totally spoiled the book. It's okay. Robin hasn't read it. But I didn't want to spoil it, but I feel like that she does that. The Moon and More. Yeah. She do it. God bless you, Sarah Dessen. And uh, I will say, like, and you people read, are mad about people it. People are mad at her. And I was that's, just like, yes, Sarah Dessen, you go. You know? yeah. <laughs> but, like, I thought that was such a badass move on her. And that's brave because, like, she has kind of a thing that people expect out of her. Yeah. And that, that book, like, went in directions, like, I didn't expect out of her. And I thought that was very brave of her to do that because i think real i think it's realistic too it is and that's why i really like that part of the book that the way that she did that yeah yeah i i don't i was like i don't know that i totally spoiled that book for you but you should read it anyways i was like there's a book that does that and i couldn't think of i was just like well i don't know if i should say this because it totally spoils it but It makes me want to read it even more now. Like now, I'm like now I really. Well, have to and that book is that book has you know the the way that the relationships are handled in that book is really interesting. And mm-hmm. it's not about which boy; it's about Emmeline figuring out her life. Yeah, and that's and just whether or one not of these the boys ways even fit into it at she all. Does that. You know? and yeah. Because sometimes just because a person's there doesn't mean that they should continue to be there. You know what I mean? Even if they're a good person, it doesn't necessarily mean that. But it's hard, especially in a genre that's become so known for romance and for showing all these different sides of romance. It's hard to be like, you know what? No, I'm not. Zero for two. Like, I'm not picking either one of you. Yeah, but it's really hard in real life, too. It is. Because I think that, I mean, that has happened to me with with friends and with, like, like, Mm-hmm. potential romantic mm-hmm. interests that I've had in the past, you know? Yeah. You can't help but wonder if it's never going to come along again, like if this is your person. And yeah, you're supposed- like you don't even know when you're that age. You're just like, maybe this is the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm 15, you know yeah. what I mean? Maybe I'm supposed to always feel a little unhappy or I'm not always, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not, yeah. Look it's, my parents. They don't really seem happy necessarily. Maybe that's just what it is, you know, and it, I don't know. And that's, oh, that's so frustrating. Like, not only as a writer, but just, like, as a woman and a person who lives on the planet. I'm like, <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to be unhappy. You know, you don't have to live, just because the people around you seem unhappy, you don't have to be unhappy. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And you can make changes. Right, And maybe right. the people around you will be upset because they didn't make those specific choices or changes. But, oh, I get so passionate when people say that. Like, well, this is what I should settle for. And settling for things is just death. Like, you're in so much trouble when you start yeah. settling. Yeah. But, like, I like how, I like one of the things about a lot of YA romance is about how you shouldn't settle for the person that it, is maybe not the best for you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I agree. I agree. I think it's very, it's very important for readers to I, see that. I am actually downloading something I want to quote. She just, like, 
fist pump. I did I actually couldn't remember if I had you know when you can't remember because I read in multiple formats and mm-hmm. I couldn't remember if I had read this particular book as an ebook and or as a um, paper book because I have the paper book. And so I wanted to, but I, ha- I read it as an ebook and I highlighted the thing that is relevant to this conversation. It was the <laughs> one thing I highlighted. Yes. So one of my favorite things ever in a YA novel that deals with um, romance as an important plot point is actually the um, author's note in the third book in Maggie Stiefvater's Wolves of Mercy Falls trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, forever. And I love that. I actually love that series. And I'm not a huge paranormal reader, but I really love her books. Um, and I really get why teens love her books, oh, especially yeah. that series. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just, yes. it's really, it hits a lot of notes that really work for me. But my favorite thing is that something she put in the author's note at the end when that series ended. And this is what she said. It was a, sort of a message to her reader and said, and finally, the love. Many, many readers have written me asking wistfully about the nature of Sam and Grace's relationship. And I can absolutely assure you that sort is that sort of love is absolutely real. Mutual, respectful, enduring love is completely attainable as long as you swear you won't settle for less. Yeah. Yeah, I Good. really like that. And she, she, and I've seen her speak several times and she's talked about it a couple times that she gets a lot of teens who like say like, I wish I could have something like Sam and Grace have. And, you know, she always tells them, like, well, you can. You just need to, you know, not, not settle, settle for, for less. Yeah. If that, yeah. you know, if that's the kind of thing, if you, you know, want to have someone who, you know, cares about you and is respectful and, you know, and it's, and I've, I've seen that at, you know, all of her, I've seen that when I went to a small event she hosted here, um, these teenagers were just like, I want a Sam. And it's like, she's like, you know. That's, you know, set your boundaries. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. he's not, I mean, he's a great character, but he's also not that unusual. Yeah. He's a good guy. I agree. Mm-hmm. So. I was just reading this article. It was in Vanity Fair by um, Nancy Jo Sales, who wrote the article that became The Bling Ring, the uh-huh. movie. And so she writes so well about teenagers. She and does. she was writing this article. Did you read it? It was like about how social media is affecting teenagers and how they date. Yet, but I, I really looked oh, really my. interested in reading it. A, it's completely depressing. But B, oh it's, com- <laughs> it's completely fascinating. And the girls, the way she describes... Um, basically girls are just, I'm not at all saying this is like sort of a slut shaming way, but girls are just hooking up. There's no dating. Girls and boys are just hooking up. There's no dating. There's not really a romance. And that's sort of what they've come to expect because of the immediacy of social media. And the girls were like, well, he wasn't, it wasn't like Bella and Edward and it wasn't like Bella and Jacob. And I was like, how frustrating as a girl to have this, to not see the, the path you go down in terms of discovering who you are to find your perfect for you ideal person. Mm-hmm. The guy who leaves in 10 minutes and never talks to you again, or like puts pictures of you all around the internet and calls you a slut or yeah. to aspire to this perfect relationship. And it's like, you ha- there's so much growth you do to find that. And I feel like we're really doing girls a disservice and that we're not showing them how do you become a fully formed person in 
And then how do you use that to let people into your life? And it was just such a, I read it and I bookmarked the article because I was like, I'm going to come back and read this, I'm sure, three times more. And I felt oh, so, have to read that. and I felt so bad for these girls, especially, and for the boys too, but for the girls, because the hoops that they have to jump through are just so unfair and were so heartbreaking. And I just thought, oh, and you're just going to keep, you're just going to grow up and how are you going to have, how are you going to find out who you are and how are you going to learn how to do that? And how are you going to do that by making mistakes? Like who's going to allow you to make mistakes? And Oh, it was so frustrating. Again, made me so grateful that I did not have a smartphone. (laughs) that like I think girls in general, like more so than boys are not respected in this world. They have to learn how to respect themselves. They have to do it. Otherwise their adult lives will be miserable. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It'll just be more of the same. Did you see that article? I think it was um, GQ in uh, – it was GQ Magazine in the UK that ran that article and described all the One Direction fans and was basically describing them as really sexualized terms. Did you see yes, that? Yes, I did. I did not I was see like, that. what is going on? Like, it was so – and the way it just described teenage girls and their excitement it, about something that is so – horrifying. It was really frightening. Uh, it was frightening on so many levels. But they have that documentary coming out on them, right? And it's by that guy who did Morgan Spurlock. Yeah. What? Did it me? I already and, saw it. Hand to God. I already saw it. Oh, uh, yeah. But I read a quote by him about it, and I can't quote it exactly, but it was basically about, like, respecting these girls. Like, the yeah. whole purpose of this documentary was about respecting these girls and their fandom. Yeah. Well, it's just also respecting enthusiasm for something. Yeah. And, and you know, when a bunch of 45-year-old men literally wear cheese on their head and go to a <laughs> it's like a funny, cool thing. Or like when the Sooner fans on their head. I mean, that's like, it's a fun, cool thing. And it pumps millions of dollars into this business. And that's considered a great thing. And when girls do it, everyone scoffs or rolls their eyes. And it's so maddening because just because someone's passionate about something, just because of who they are and their age and their gender doesn't necessarily mean that it's not a viable thing for them to be interested in or that their enthusiasm is um, diminished. And it's, oh, I, again, I could, I, know, I, right. no, no, no. I, I know become, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's become like a thing with me. Like, I think I right. drive Josh crazy because he'll say but something like, sort of offhand. Julie Taylor test thing. Yeah. That... I'm still mad about that. Um, Wait, Julie Taylor test. What's that? Oh, oh there's a whole rant on the blog about it. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I kind of got unhinged a few months ago. That's fine. This, this, I found this link on Salon that yes. was ridiculous, and I tweeted it, and Sarah took it and ran with it. I kind of lost. <laughs> I kind of lost my shit. I was so upset. And I was and just like, "What the fuck is this?" And I tweeted it out, and I was like, "Okay, well that's that." And no, that hey, wasn't it. Willa Passen right, is Salon's TV columnist, and I and she also writes for Vulture. Okay. And. I, I tend to not agree with her. Like, I'm going to say, like, no, I don't mean, like, you know how you have certain people you read and, yeah. like, you know you are going to disagree with her. Yeah. But I'm yeah. also, like, she often has, like, whatever has caused her to write something is an interesting subject. Like, because she writes a lot in response to what other people are saying. And so I, it's kind of interesting to follow, like, the discussion of various things. Okay. And she wrote this thing, how, how to tell if an actress is good or not. Actress. Right. Actress, um, not actor, actress, yeah. is good or not, is by administering the Julie Taylor test. 
So Julie Taylor, Friday Night Lights. Yes, Julie Taylor. Yes. Okay. yes, our Julie Taylor. <laughs> yes, I know, right? Our little sister, Julie Taylor. I have so much. Like, I have a lot of love for Julie Taylor, which is kind of a controversial opinion. But I feel like she's well, a I real. I think she's very real. Yeah, and yeah. and kind of like an awkward and like uncomfortable way a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, but she said basically if in with Julie she has no like internal life. Therefore, which is bullshit, and therefore, yeah. Amy Amy Teagarden is a, a bad, bad actress. actress. Now I don't know if Amy Teagarden is a good actress or not. Because I've only ever seen her in Friday Night Lights. And I thought she did a great job with Julie Taylor. And I thought she seemed real and, you know, scared a lot of the time and bratty some of the time. And, I I mean, I, you know, kind of like what you would expect. uh, um, Yeah, she's a very typical teenager. And she does things that typical teenagers do. Yeah. And adults didn't really like And she had that. great parents, so, but, yeah. like, she was kind of a jerk to them sometimes. Yeah. And, you as know, you are. As we are. As you yeah. are. Anyway, I just kind of lost it and wrote this, like, epic rant about Julie and, like, teenagers and... Sexism. Sexism. <laughs> and, like, the why, like, why, like, like, we don't, see, like, like, we never talk about, like... Like, Taylor Kish is not winning any Academy Awards. I was going to say, we love, especially for my beloved Battleship. (laughs) But, you know, everyone loves Tim Riggins. Like, you know, he's that quintessential. And people hate Julie. Like, they hate her. And I, it has so much of the... The hating of her is wrapped up in the way that we feel about teenage girls in this culture. Yes, yes. exactly. And I was going to say, Tim Riggins is such an asshole so many times he's on the show. Awful. Yeah, but I love him. Yeah, I know. See, exactly. exactly. <laughs> and that's the conundrum: is that a bad boy is like, ooh, tell me more, Tim Riggins. You know, yeah. but then when a girl does that, everyone's like, get out. Get out. We don't have any time for this. This is not at all a character developing theme that actually shows the accurate portrayal of a teenage girl. We just, she's a whiner. Tim gets his redemptive story arc. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, Julie, I mean, you know, she, not, none of her screw ups are anywhere in the realm of Tim's screw ups. Yeah. And (laughs) put it mildly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, they're in two totally, and, and man, like, I mean, she get. I mean, you know, her ending is, you know, it's implied it's pretty good, but she doesn't get, like, the big redemptive payoff. And she's not the center yeah. of the story. I mean, the center of the story is, you know, Coach and Tammy. And, see, I can't relate anything to Friday Night Lights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, but it's just, it's, it's <laughs> the judgment we have of Julie and also of Lila. I mean, yeah. Lila really gets. Yeah, I was going to say that. Uh, I mean, that episode early on in the series, the It's Different for Girls one, when yeah. everyone finds out she was cheating on Jason yeah, and she Tim. Gets totally yeah. slut shamed. And, yeah. I mean, that is, yeah. that is one of the most disturbing. It's so real. But it's what happened. And it's girls. so interesting because so many of the viewers really turned on Lila, too. Yeah. Just like the people in the team. Like, there's this, like, very weird meta thing. Tim wasn't a bad person in that situation, no. though. Tim wasn't the bad he guy. He was a suffering best friend who didn't know any better. Right. You know? yeah. Lila should have known. So, it's just, I mean, I think it was pretty subversive the way they kind of did that on yeah. the show, actually, to be honest. <laughs> but, I, um. Too, nobody will ever turn on women like women. And, yeah, like, yeah, you know what so I mean? True. You will never find a, word, a worse enemy than women are just 
raised and taught to look at each other as enemies. Like you're always comparing yourself against what other women have. And it's such an unfortunate thing because it doesn't let you look at what you could accomplish together or learn from. Sorry, we're just looking at the time. Other girls. Yeah, no, oh, no, it's okay. No, yeah, I just saw that. I was like, what time is that? It's like, like one hour and 43 minutes. Done pretty good. Um, this is not- th- yeah, I'm going to have to split another podcast in half. I was going to say, have editing. Well, Enjoy because it. we haven't even talked about Jennifer Eccles yet. Oh, yeah. She, <laughs> she does, you can't have really a conversation about YA romance without discussing Jennifer Eccles because she kind of does... And she subverts a lot of stuff, like such a such a rush. I really like how her girls are. Her books are romances, right? They are, but that doesn't mean that the girl is only interested in the guy in that book. No, like her girls have like they have rich inner lives. Yes. Oh. They pass that Julie Taylor test. Anyways. Uh, but, like, they do things. Like, they all have, like, skills and lives and dreams. Concerns of their own that are separate from the romance. That, But but she still makes the romance the focal point of the book. And I really like how she does that. I do, and too. And how crazy is crazy thing where she gives this girl this really well-rounded life. Like, yeah. Like, like, that should just be like, okay, yeah, and. Like, that shouldn't even be a discussion, and yet but it's something to really stand and, out. Yeah. and she should, obviously. Yeah. I'm not saying that as a as a bad no, thing. No, it's, but it's, it's really, it is, I mean, like, it is kind of crazy that we're like, it's amazing that she does this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well. <laughs> yeah, know, she it, does. It's kind, it kind of, I mean, that is sort of sad that that's. Yeah, <laughs> but when you're talking traditional romance novel. That's not really how it's done, right? No, I mean, I don't no. really read a lot in the romance genre. It, de- it really depends. It depends. It really depends. Yeah. I, I, some some authors are wonderful at it. I mean, I, I'm always raving about Molly O'Keefe mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, in terms of adult romance authors because she really gives her characters very rich um, lives and backstories. Um, but it's not always the case. And when you start looking at, like, category romance, it's that's just not the focus. Like the focus is a very specific beginning, middle end related to the central romance and not a whole mm-hmm. lot for else. writer. Oh, sorry. If a reader goes, into, Oh, that's okay. If a reader goes into a situation expecting a romance sometimes, and I've definitely seen this written, like, unfortunately, like, but in Goodreads reviews, you know what I mean? Not yeah. necessarily in blog reviews, but where people will be like, just get to the romance already. Like, please stop telling me so much about this character or this thing. And sometimes you have to show a character's story and show a very rich, detailed life. I mean, I personally would rather read about that, but if someone is going into something wanting to read about romance, I think sometimes if it doesn't pop up right away, they might get impatient because I think more traditionally romance novels have just gone right to the romance you know it's like he's a cowboy she's on a farm there you know there they go and those i guess (laughs) i you know i i I actually went through that kind of experience when i read um the sequel to just one day um just one year by gail foreman a couple weeks ago and because i thought that was that book was going to pick up where just one year left off because that's what the jacket copy said. <laughs> but the jacket copy is a liar. 
<laughs> it is a lying liar. It is a lie. It's totally a lie. It does not pick up where just one day left off <laughs> at all. Like, in no, like, it is not like a stretching of the truth. It is like, uh, total lie. That had not read the book. <laughs> like, it was really obvious. Anyway, and it doesn't pick up where just one day left off. And did that. Did that enhance the reading of the book or not? No, because I, <laughs> okay. I thought I kept waiting for I something waiting to happen and for it didn't happen. The scene that's at the end of the first book to yeah. happen yeah. for the entire book. But that scene doesn't happen until the last page, page of the book. Of the book. <laughs> Just like they're parallel stories, not chronological stories. Yeah. Which it's fine. Which, and it was, the thing is, like, I wish that I had known that it wasn't, because it's very much been marketed as, like, this is a love story. Like, an epic love story. And it's, you know, and it's sweepingly romantic. And that really influenced, like, my expectations of that book, which actually on its surface, like, as its own book, I quite liked. Right. But it really, like, influenced my reading experience, because I kept turning the pages waiting for... The epic romance the, that was the promised sweeping, in the Jackie The epic copy. romance. And it, it, that's not what I got. So that's like a weird experience because I, I don't, you know, I I like romantic elements in books because I am like, I like I love yeah. rom-coms. I, lo- mm-hmm. I mean, I am just kind of like a sucker for all of that stuff. Yeah. But um, yeah. it, you know, so I'm like waiting and I'm like, but. Page turn, but but page turn. <laughs> page so, <laughs> so I understand, like I understand how like readers who feel that way sometimes, but at the same yeah. time, like it's definitely that was the first time I've really had that experience. Yeah. So I'm a little bit more sympathetic when people feel that way, though. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes I'm like, but that book is clearly not a romance. It's about zombies. <laughs> 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 As many are. It's just that's in response to something I read about this is not a test and someone feeling like there needed to be more romance. What? I I don't even... Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. (laughs) But they're fighting zombies. No time for kissing. (laughs) (laughs) I've always wondered how people, like, fall in love during a zombie apocalypse. I don't know. I would, that would, I'd be like, don't even get I'd near me. I'd be curled up in a corner crying waiting for the zombies to get me, to be honest. <laughs> but I mean, and but also at the too, same time, you're like in a really intensified situation. You're just like, hey, we could be eaten by zombies. Why not? You know? Honestly, I can't get past the fact, and this probably says a lot about me as a person, but there is no running water. Nobody has showered in weeks. Oh, I, haven't, I know. That is like, an issue. I can't, I cannot make out I, with you. Yeah. Your Sorry. breath is bad. Yeah. Yeah, some contraband Listerine or something. Sorry. And we're all going to die painfully and slowly. So, yeah. <laughs> Rank up the romance. Let's do this. <laughs> anyway. Well, we better, we've been talking for a while. So, yeah. we I better ho- wrap up. I hope you have something to edit together. <laughs> <laughs> really appreciate you joining us. Um, oh, you want to just tell us a little bit about Going Rogue that's coming out in January? Is it January? February? March? I can't even remember. Yeah, I have it in my I have it in my like first quarter of like twenty fourteen like mental list. So no, 
January 14th. Okay. So it has been confirmed that is when it's coming out. So yeah, it's just, it continues on Maggie's path. I think the thing that happens in also known as is that Maggie makes some really spectacularly bad decisions about <laughs> revealing who she is to her best friend and her boyfriend. And it puts a lot of people in very vulnerable positions. And I think she sees the ramifications of that in going rogue. And she has to suddenly rely on people that are civilians and maybe not necessarily trained to do the job that she has done and suddenly she finds herself vulnerable as well and she has to deal with that and again uh, deal with the ramifications of that experience and unfortunately it leads to a few more adventures than she would like to have had obviously she wants her life to go back to being normal and sorry but when you tell your boyfriend that you're an international spy life is not going to (laughs) go So I've heard, anyway. I've, so I've been told. Yeah, that is not my personal life experience. <laughs> I don't know. You spoke with a lot of authority right there. Yeah, right. well, you know, fake it to <laughs> Are you really secretly a safe cracker? Is that... yeah. I think that would be awesome if you were. Bad right? ass. Guys, I can't even get into my apartment sometimes. Like, I... <laughs> A safe cracker. And if I was, I would probably just stick with that because it probably has health benefits and it probably has a few more bonuses. Yeah. Nope. Sorry. Not a safe cracker. If I was, I wouldn't even tell you. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Throw a bunch of opinions at you. I really uh, appreciate we, it. Our, the whole purpose of our podcast is so we can talk about our opinions with other people. I mean, I yes. <laughs> you know. right. Thanks so much. Oh, thank you. It was really thank nice you. talking with you guys. You guys are both very sweet. All right. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Clear Eyes Full Shelves podcast. Be sure to check out our book reviews, recommendations, opinion, and all-around nerdy badassery at cleareyesfullshelves.com or on Twitter at Full Shelves. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Until next time, Clear Eyes, Full Shelves, Can't Lose.